So, we're going to learn a talk of the Rebbe about the significance of this Shabbos. This is the first Shabbos after Shavuos, the day that we got the Torah. And usually this is the time we read Parshas Nase. So there must be some connection between um, Parshas Nase and Shabbos in general. How is this Shabbos significant? How is it different than all the other Shabbosim? And how do we see in, in this Parsha this, um, that this Shabbos is significant? So the mitzvahs that were done before the Torah was given, even the mitzvahs that they were told to do, which have an advantage. It's better, the Talmud says, it's better to, be, to do something you're told to do than to do something by yourself. But there's an advantage. There's an advantage both ways. But the advantage of doing something you're told to do is there is this sense of obedience. And we'll see a deeper advantage as well. But, but until the Torah was given, there was a separation between the higher worlds and the lower worlds, as we learned. God says the heaven belongs to God and the earth belongs to man. There was a separation between them. And um, the mitzvahs that were done at that time before the Torah was given didn't have the ability to connect the ruchnius, the spirituality, to the gashmas of the physical world. That's why Maimonides says that whatever we do nowadays, whatever mitzvahs we do nowadays, whatever whatever, um, we consider to be a sin nowadays, we don't do it because what God told Avram Avinu, or what God told Yitzchak, we do it only because God told Moses. Only what we got at Mount Sinai. The prophets that were given the commandments before the giving of the Torah aren't what guides us today. Rather, we're only guided by the revelation at Sinai. So, regarding Shabbos also, they kept Shabbos before the Torah was given. There was an element of Shabbos, but they did do Shabbos in, in, in a place called Mara, in, in, in a place that they arrived at before they got the Torah called Mara, they were given many mitzvahs, mitzvah honoring their parents. There are ten mitzvahs that were given there. One of them was Shabbos. So we don't do this. We don't keep Shabbos because they kept Shabbos in Mara. Rather, we keep Shabbos because of the mitzvah at Sinai. Because, again, because every mitzvah that we got in Mount Sinai has this ability to bring Ruchnius to Gashmis. Before the giving of the Torah, they did mitzvahs. Think about the, there are, are commandments that God gave to Gentiles as well. But, yeah, the seven mitzvahs, they neach. My daughter Rosie was telling me that they're not, they're not the same. <laughs> she, 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 and she has, she's right. The, 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 mitzvahs, the mitzvahs before the Torah was given, she's, you're calling them mitzvahs, Tati, but they're just not, they're not, they're not mitzvahs, like we have mitzvahs. And she's right, because the mitzvahs before the, that the non Gentiles keep are more about. The, Hashem wants the world to be l'shev sitzar. He wants the world to be a place of a civilized place. It's not about connecting the spiritual to the physical. But the mitzvahs that we got at, at Sinai, each mitzvah has this ability to 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 con- create a connection. So in a similar way, the, the, keeping Shabbos the few days before they got the Torah is not at all the same as keeping Shabbos now after we got the Torah. Whatever. Repeat what you just said. I'm, probably, I'm sorry. Rabbi. No problem. Keeping Shabbos before the Torah was given cannot compare to keeping Shabbos after the Torah was given. Because once the Torah was given, Hashem removed this separation between heaven and earth. Now it's possible to connect the spiritual to the physical. It's 
kind of a hard concept to grasp, but I hear you. I hear you. Okay. So everything that happened the first time God gave us the Torah is renewed again on the holiday of the giving of the Torah. And the Shabbos after Shavuos, this Shabbos, which is a Shabbos after the giving of the Torah, every year we have a, uh, it's sort of like the first Shabbos. This Shabbos we're able to celebrate Shabbos for the first time in a way. Just like, just like they celebrated Shabbos for the first time after they got the Torah, the Shabbos after they got the Torah. So do we do extra prayers this coming Shabbos? Extra we, blessings? We don't. But there's something extra that we learn about in the Sicha that is in the Shabbos, and that it's something that, that, we're, that we're meant to pay attention to in the Shabbos. So hold on, hold on to your seats while we get there. <laughs> hold on to your questions. Let's go. So, I'm sorry about that. Okay, there's, there's just a, a question on, as an aside before we get there. What day did God give us the Torah? On Shabbos. Yeah. You said what day, though? Right, what day of the week? Oh, Saturday. Right. Okay. So it seems that the very that they already had they already had Shabbos in the same day they got the Torah. So why are we drawing attention to the Shabbos after the giving of the Torah? The the day the Torah was given itself was given it was was Shabbos. So why are we saying there's something special at the Shabbos post sign and the first Shabbos after the Torah was given? The Torah was given on Shabbos. They already had the advantage of Shabbos the very on the day they got the Torah. So you might want to answer that Shabbos is a, um, what's the word in English? It's, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a singular thing. It's, a, it's an indivisible singular thing. And since the hours before they got the Torah on that Shabbos didn't have the virtue of Sinai, so even the hours of that Shabbos after Sinai were still missing something of Shabbos because Shabbos is an indivisible thing. Shabbos is a singular, indivisible thing, and therefore, even though they had a little few hours of Shabbos after Sinai, after the revelation of Sinai, but since Shabbos is indivisible, so therefore, there's something that, that they were missing even after the Torah was given. But that's not true, because every moment of Shabbos is something separate. We see in Halacha that if someone converts to Judaism on Shabbos, halachically, if someone converts to Judaism on Shabbos, they're obligated to keep Shabbos in the hours that remain. We don't say, oh, since they didn't have the first hours, it's not Shabbos for them. They became a Jewish on Shabbos. They had, they had the full obligation of Shabbos the moment they become Jewish. So we see that Shabbos isn't a, is, it a, is the word an organism? Is that a word, the word? Shabbos, Shabbos isn't a, a singular, indivisible organism. Rather, it's possible, every Shabbos has its own moment by itself. Every moment of Shabbos is, is separate from, from the others. And that's why we say this guy who converts on Shabbos, he has to keep all the Shabbos, even though he's missing the first few hours. So, it seems then that the, those hours that they had after the revelation of Mount Sinai were indeed full Shabbos hours. And the Jewish people sort of converted. They converted Judaism at Mount Sinai. We, we certainly sort of became converts then. So we had Shabbos. We converted to Judaism. God gave us a mitzvah. So we had a Shabbos. So what, why are we saying that something special about the Shabbos after the giving of the Torah? So you could say, however, although that they definitely were obligated to keep Shabbos, you could say that since they were missing the night of Shabbos, in the morning, they, they, it's still Shabbos, but it's not the same kind of Shabbos. It's 
I, I'm, I'm not sure if this is what there means, but it reminds me of what Chassidus says in general. Chassidus says there's two kinds, of tranquil, two kinds of tranquility. There's a tranquility the night of Shabbos, and then there's a tranquility the day of Shabbos. On the night of Shabbos, it says that the tranquility you experience is more of like a negative thing. Negative. Negative. You're being relieved from the strain of work. So you're resting from your work. It's not that you're in a state of rest. It's more like you're resting from the strain. It's not like tranquility. It's not like a intrinsic tranquility. It's just tranquility from something else. Your hands removed from the cauldron. Right. Hands removed from the cauldron. Good. But the day of Shabbos, that's already a deeper level of tranquility, a higher level of tranquility. And that's called menucha ba'etzem. It's not menucha me'avayda. It's not called r- tranquility from work. It's called intrinsic tranquility. So perhaps since the Jewish people didn't have the night of Shabbos, there was something missing in their holiness of the day of Shabbos. You could say that. But still, um, since they did have the mitzvah of Shabbos, and just were missing something, the perfection of holiness, it seems that there's, not, there's nothing novel about the following Shabbos. You might say that the Shabbos wasn't as holy, but it still was Shabbos. And so why are we saying the Shabbos after Sinai is so significant? They still had Shabbos. It was still Shabbos. It wasn't as holy, but it still was Shabbos. But you could possibly venture to say the following. Maybe this concept that every moment of Shabbos is an individual thing and it's not connected to the moments before, maybe that whole idea only originated in the time period post-Sinai. It says in the Torah, uh, in a verse that was said after Sinai, there's another pasuk that there's psukim that were said. There were verses of Torah that were given to us at Mount, at Mount Sinai, and there were other verses in Torah that, that were given to us after Mount Sinai, throughout our forty years in the desert. So there's a verse that says, "Those who desecrate the Shabbos shall die." That verse was said later on, and the halacha is that if non-Jews surround a Jewish village on Shabbos. Uh, the Jewish people are meant to go out to war and fi- defend themselves on Shabbos. Really? Yeah. Just by, just by going, in, not being violent, but just by heading to their territory, just by going to the village, that's a declaration of war? It's, it actually says, even if they're coming to discuss, um, discuss so, transactions of straw, yeah. do we buy, did we pay for the straw or not, they owe us money for the straw, we go out, we go, we, we go out with our weapons to discuss it. <laughs> so, yes, yes, yes. It's 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 one. Of, it's very interesting how the Rebbe. This is one of the cornerstones of the Rebbe's position on on how Jews in Israel must defend themselves from their enemies. Is from this halacha and the laws of Shabbos, which uh, says that even on Shabbos you must go out when they come to, with with they come to the border cities of Israel. And they're discussing laws of the questions about the straw transactions. You must go out with their weapons, discuss it with them on Shabbos. So, so if you desecrate the Shabbos to defend the Jewish, because you're a Jewish soldier, the Talmud says we learn from the verse Mechalel Mesumos. We learn from that verse that even if, though even though you've desecrated part of Shabbos, you might th- say I shouldn't keep the rest of Shabbos because I already desecrated part of it. So the Talmud says we learn from this verse that even if there's a moment left of Shabbos, it's still Shabbos for you. Once you had to break Shabbos, part of Shabbos, don't say, your life was in danger, you had to break Shabbos. Don't say, okay, I desecrated most of it, I'll just desecrate the rest of it. 
Now, even if there's a moment left of Shabbos, that left that, that, that you're done with, you've, you've vanquished your enemy, you're now safe at home, you might say, okay, I already, this is already not a Shabbos like a day, I'm going to already like, turn on the lights or whatever. So the halacha is, no, that a moment of Shabbos is still a moment. That's what the Gemara derives in the verse, Mechalel Meisumas. So that instruction um, is derived from this verse. Now, why does, this is something which applies to any desecration of Shabbos. You could desecrate the Shabbos for many reasons. Dr. Bresman's a doctor, he probably had to desecrate Shabbos many, many times to save people's lives. So, so there's many reasons besides the analogy of non-Jews attacking Jews. Why does the Mechilta bring this as the example to tell us that you must keep Shabbos even if you desecrated part of it? And also, why is it that we need a special verse to tell us that Shabbos has to be kept although part of it is desecrated? On, on the surface, the reason why we, need, we needed this verse Okay, the Gemara is saying that had we not had this verse, we'd, we would have thought that Shabbos is one indivisible point, and if it's desecrated, the whole thing is, is desecrated. That's what we would have thought. So, we already desecrated it. You, 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 can't keep on, you can't keep something, you're beating a dead horse. You already, we would have thought Shabbos is one indivisible point, you already broke it, it's already broken. So, the Pasuk Mechalel teaches us that every blink of an eye, Every moment of Shabbos is a separate entity, and therefore you're obligated to keep each moment separately. But keep since, separately. right, there's a separate obligation to keep every moment of Shabbos. And I'll forget, I was in someone's house, I was a child, and the guy, was in my class, I was in fourth grade, I don't know what grade I was in, and the guy puts the light on on Shabbos. I was like, how do you do that? It's Shabbos. He wasn't brought up with Shabbos, he didn't know any better. He's like, I'm indoors. And he knew that you're not allowed to carry outdoors. So indoors, you're allowed to carry. So he figures, let to carry indoors, you must be allowed to light, put the lights on indoors because Shabbos only applies outdoors. Um, but so similarly, without this verse in the Torah, people would have thought that Shabbos is an individual point, an indivisible point, and once it's broken, it's broken. So that's what this verse conveys to us and tells us, no, Shabbos is not an indivisible point. Every moment is a moment of is, is an individual, in, individual moment, and you're obligated to keep each individual moment of Shabbos. But that verse was only introduced to us in Parshas Kisisa, and until that verse was given to us, the, the, Torah's, the Torah's stance was that Shabbos was an indivisible point. Until God gave us that new verse, our understanding of Shabbos was that Shabbos is an is, is indivisible point, and therefore there was no Shabbos in the first Shabbos Torah was given, it would seem. Yes? When I come home on Friday nights, I turn the lights on. I can't see otherwise. Am I breaking Shabbos? If you go well, home... How am I supposed to see what... <laughs> how am I supposed to see what I'm doing or where I'm going? Or if Have I'm you ever heard of Tom Baudet? I'm who? Tom Baudet. Tom Bodet is a guy who is um, doing the commercials for Motel oh, 6, yeah, yeah, yeah. the CEO of Motel 6 for quite some time. So he, he says that Motel 6, their slogan is, we'll keep the light on for you. They kept the light on. Whatever, you had to be there. Either way, 
Put the light on before you go to shul, and that light will be there when you light will be on for you when you come home. Okay, I, I never. I mean, I just never occurred to me. No problem. So I've been I've been violating Shabbos. No, you have you have been violating Shabbos. Yeah, you have been violating Shabbos because just like we just learned about, about the Jews didn't know anything, right? Well, they didn't know they they didn't know that Shabbos was every point of Shabbos was a separate entity. They thought it's all one one indivisible point. They didn't know, and then it was introduced to them. So too, you're having a new concept of Shabbos introduced to you that you know before. You just just introduced to you, just entered your world. Are you allowed to turn water on and off on Shabbos? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not lice. Not hot water. Not hot water. <laughs> not hot water. Sort of like, you know, then you turn on fire. Like, I just never, I, I never thought about it. I mean, <laughs> wow. You don't destroy Shabbos, but you're not keeping Shabbos. And I think that the point, I think the word you're trying to say is, we don't no, 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 no. Yeah. forsake the day just because we made a mistake or we had to do something. If, like if I had to go out, because I had that like all the time. I mean, you know, I had to be in this, this, that's when it's given. I come back, I do all the prayers I can tonight, keep whatever I can during the day. I, 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 I do. Every 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 moment of Shabbos is a moment. I think, I think you're saying beyond just time. I think time is like even a higher level, like even by, by space, you know, or one. One action does not apply to the whole. Right, right. This is the Jewish guilt thing. It's very, very common for Jews in general. That Jews think like, I'm not, God doesn't can't be talking to me because if he knew because I know who I am, I know who I am and I know what all the mistakes I'm doing. So God doesn't. It's not relevant to me. God's mitzvahs because I know I already messed up in something else and therefore I might as well mess up everything else because the Maimonides as a letter he wrote to a community who, um, in the time of Maimonides, there were many Muslims, who many Muslim uh, groups that tried to coerce Jews to convert to Judaism, to convert to their religion. And um, what happened was that many times people felt when they would convert to the various religions that they weren't Jewish anymore. And they didn't have to keep the mitzvahs anymore. And Maimonides wrote letters showing them that, although it was a mistake to convert to Islam or whatever, but uh, you're, they're still Jewish. They're still Jewish. And he brings an interesting example. He says there was, uh, uh, in history, there are, Judaism has its top ten sinners. The one who tops the list is the man named Yeravim ben Avat. Yeravim ben Avat is credited for the fact that we only have two tribes out of twelve. He exiled ten of the twelve tribes. And Maimonides says that when Yeravim ben Avat went to heaven, he wasn't only asked, hey, where are the ten of the twelve tribes? He wasn't only asked that question. He also was asked by God, what happened with your Erev Tavshilin? Erev Tavshilin is a halacha you're supposed to make when, when Shabbos, when Yontiv leads into Shabbos, if they can Erev Tavshilin. So your Rabbin wasn't only questioned about, about the exiling of, the, of 10 of the 12 tribes, he also asked about the nitty gritty kind of things, which shows us that... That's, that's the specific halacha if you have in mind the whole community. We have to do it yourself also. You have to do it yourself too. What did you just say? When you do that, that halacha, you have in mind, you're supposed to have in mind... Uh, everybody else as well. It's true. But uh, nevertheless, it's, it's, for halachic reasons, not just for customary reasons, you have to also do it your own. Um, interestingly, uh, the Rebbe says, what's the source of Maimonides? How does Maimonides know this? How does Maimonides know that, that 
he was going to, that Nirav Menavad was incriminated, and God cared. God cared about, about this specific detail of his life when he did such bigger sins. Like, like let's talk about the bigger sins. Well, who says Hashem cares about the, the small ones? So the Rebbe gives a very in, powerful and deep insight. I, I wish I conveyed the whole thing very briefly, but I probably won't do justice to it. The, the Talmud says that there was a family of Kayanim called Bilga. And Bilga had a, a certain um, class issues. <laughs> the, the Talmud says that, they, that there were certain things that were done to this family that wasn't done to any other Kohanic family. They were, they were uh, uh, in a different class. Why were they in a different class? They weren't given the same privileges as other Kohanim families. Why not? Because their grandmother, or one of the grandmothers of the family, Miriam, was married to a, to a Greek pirate, and she visited the temple, and she, uh, when, when, while, when her husband came to ransack the temple, she came into the temple, and she kicked the altar, and she said, she said to the altar, she said to God, can she kick the altar? She says, you fox, Lucas, Lucas, you fox, how long will you eat up everyone's sacrifices and not be there for them when they're in their time of, time of trouble? She's, she, did she say this to? To God. She says, how dare you? How dare you eat up their sacrifices and not stand up for them in their time of trouble? So because she kicked the altar, that's why her family had to, uh, is, had to have this class um, demotion, if you will. So the Rebbe asked, we're talking about someone who's married to a non-Jew, who's coming to ransack the temple. And yet, what does God care that she, why would God care that she's kicking the altar? Why, why would God care about that? And that indicates that even though she does all these other things, God still expected of her that when she came to the temple, she would she would she would talk to God in a in a manner that was befitting someone who had, yeah. someone who's Jewish. On the other end, also conversely, by the way, after Rebbe spoke about this, uh, people gave the Rebbe a lot of a lot of letters and and criticism, like why? Because on the one hand, Rebbe is saying how how Rebbe actually was crying, and she says when Rebbe recounted her words, Lucas, Lucas, you fox, how come you you take their sacrifices and you eat them? We don't stand there for the time of trouble. Rebbe was speaking about how. How, how her prayer was a significant prayer too. Even though it wasn't said in the most respectful way, it came from the soul. She davened from her soul in her way. So, I'll never forget this, okay? It's going to mess up, the, mess up the, the sheer, but whatever. I once put on film with someone after he had recovered from a car accident and he was a little bit emotional. And, he's, and we said a blessing. Baruch, Baruch, Ata, Ata, Hashem, Hashem, Elokeinu. L-O-F in Kano. <laughs> so, so, so that was saying that this woman, although she didn't speak in the most respectful way, it's, she spoke from her soul. From inside came a deep place. She didn't say the right words. But she cared about the Jewish people. She, and, and so the fact that God was critical of her also indicates how much God cared about her prayer too. It, it indicates two things. The story tells us two things. It tells us the majesty of the neshama, the majesty of the Jewish soul, that even though it's, she's so down, she still has this beautiful prayer she's saying to God in her way. And also tells us the, the deep bond God has with each of us. No matter what we're doing, we're, we're married to a pirate and we're ransacking God's temple in our own way. God says, did he say a bracha? <laughs> the, the Rebbe actually once said that when, when they take someone out to be killed, the Jewish court determines something that deserves a death penalty. When he's t- taken out to, to be killed, they give him a cup of water. God wants him to say bracha on the cup of water. He needs to say a bracha. If you're going to be killed, 
e- even if you're going to be t- not you, God forbid. But let's say someone does not have to say the bracha, right? And he goes out, to, gets to be taken, taken out to be killed. He has to pull out the paper out of his pocket and say shahakol niyabivari. It matters to God if he says a bracha shahakol, even though his life is about to end, and even though he deserves a death penalty, his bracha still matters to Hashem. Really? Yeah. So, 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 so. Uh, okay, we got a little bit derailed from our, from our subject, but the point that we're trying to say is that uh, Shabbos, you may have thought that each moment of Shabbos is a separate entity, and people did have a right way f- reason for thinking that before the Torah said otherwise. Torah, people actually had a right a reason to think that Shabbos, each point of Shabbos was, was separate from the others, and only after Hashem gave us the next verse in the Torah, Mechalam Yisumas, was Shabbos established in a way that each moment was a separate entity. Okay, we'll stop here. Zaka Baruch. How many times uh, during Shabbos do you 